it all too well. And we know the solution. Find us on stream anytime at ESPNRichmond.com and on iHeartRadio at 1061 ESPN Richmond. As promised, we are going to do a lot of talking baseball on the sports huddle this afternoon between now and six o'clock, along with Sean Robertson from CBS six co-hosting with me this afternoon, Bob Black with you from our ESPN Richmond studios, one Oh six one ESPN. And we thank you for locking in this afternoon. Let's get to some of that baseball talk with the national baseball writer for the Washington post who hasn't been with us in a while. We're glad she has come back to join us and talk some baseball this afternoon. Chelsea Janes. You can follow her on Twitter as well at Chelsea underscore Janes. And of course, in the Washington Post. Chelsea, good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Good to catch back up with you. And uh, we'll kind of expand our horizons a little bit here since I have the uh, Cincinnati-Washington game on the TV screen in our studio. Uh, let me start there, and we'll kind of go from there. And we carry the Atlanta Braves, so you know we're going to bring them up as well. Yeah. But, but what do you make of this this Cincinnati team that has kind of taken the baseball community by storm a little bit this year, right? I mean, they're leading the Central. They're nine games over five hundred. I know they're down right now to the Nationals, but they've won four in a row. They've got the young and the old, right? Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah. They got Joey Votto. We keep our eye on a young man, Andrew Abbott, because he pitched at UVA, is doing great. What do you make of the Reds? You know, I think they are a really interesting study in how quickly things can come together. You know, if your farm system is producing talent, both on the pitching side and offensively. I mean, you know, a lot of their success this year has has come largely on the back of really young guys. I mean, Andrew Abbott is one example. A lot of really young pitchers who kind of took their knocks over the last few years or, or didn't have a lot of big league experience but were ready when the call came. And I think, you know, as someone who kind of watches through the lens of, of Washington baseball, I think it shows you that, like, if you get the system in order, you don't have to spend – you don't have to have everything go perfectly for things to come together. You just have to have a few big pieces of young talent. And then, you know, it's kind of a, a sport where a bunch of young players who don't know better can can go a long way. So we had Al Galdi on yesterday from the Nats Chat podcast and many other uh, broadcast platforms. And he tried to give everyone hope, too, about the Nationals, as you just alluded to. But can you see some of what the Washington Nationals are trying to do in what the Cincinnati Reds have done? You know, I think the thing that they have to prove in this second rebuild is that they can develop more big league-ready pitching and, frankly, better big league hitting. I mean, I think, you know, the the, the good Nats, you know, of old, I guess, kind of were built on the back of a couple of, of no-brainer first-round picks in Strasburg and Harper and Anthony Rendon, and, you know, those guys panned out. But what they didn't do that well was bring up the marginal guys, the guys who weren't supposed to be the no-brainers, they never kind of got lucky. It wasn't like anyone overachieved. And I think what the Reds have seen is is guys who they didn't necessarily expect to be the best player in the organization, you know, being better than they thought. And I think that's something the Nats need to kind of have happen if they're if they're going to turn things around quickly. And, and maybe it is happening. You know, it's hard to tell looking at the minor leagues you know, from afar sometimes. But, you know, Jake Irvin, for example, I think has been better than they thought. You just need a lot more of those, and, and you need them to keep coming. So the draft's going to be important next weekend. And, um, you know, it seems like they're going to get a really good player at the top. Mm-hmm. With that being said, Chelsea, where do you see them going in the draft? You know, what position are they 
looking at or do you think given where they are they go for the best available player you know it's funny i mean we say last time they got lucky because they got harper and strasburg in back-to-back years it looks like they're going to get lucky again because paul steens from lsu and and dylan cruz the outfielder um are of that level i mean people say Skeens is the best pitcher to come out of college since strasburg so um you know they pick second overall presumably one of those guys will be available maybe both uh, if the Pirates go a different direction at the top. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But one of the things, you know, people say is as good as Keith is, you know, Dylan Cruz is, is kind of one of those hitters that you, you cannot miss. So I think they're going to be in good shape either way as, as long as they go with one of those two guys. But um, it looks like they have picked a good year to be as high in the draft as they are, you know, much like they didn't pick it, but much like happened, you know, a decade or so ago. And with Martinez, given uh, what he has done in this rebuilding period and things of that nature, um, how do you think he's kind of handled the responsibility of being the guy to to deal with this rebuilding uh, process with the Nats? You know, I think, you know, on a personal level, I think it has at times taken a toll on him. I think he would rather win and, and sometimes gets frustrated and things like that. But, you know, I think he's been the right guy for this moment. It's been a very uncertain moment for the Nationals, both with ownership and, you know, they're kind of in this purgatory where they don't know if the team's going to be sold by next year. And so everyone's jobs are kind of day-to-day. Um, he seems to handle that well. He seems to give young players sort of the space to fail, which which some people are not good at doing. So I think he's been just kind of a really friendly face for a lot of people in that room during, you know, a less-than-inspiring time. And in that way, I think he's done a great job. I don't know if he's the long-term solution. I You know, it's we don't even know who's going to be making that decision necessarily with who owns the team in a year or so. But, um, you know, I think he's been someone that they could count on to be upbeat and make people feel comfortable. And when you've got a lot of young guys coming in and out and failing a lot, I think that's that's kind of what you need. Chelsea, at the opposite end of all of this is the Atlanta Braves, a team we did ah. expect to be good. I'm not sure we expected this. I'll ask you this with a little bit of embellishment. But are like they've won eighteen out of twenty. They're hitting all these home runs. They have eight all stars. They're running away. Are, are we watching a generational team here? Are we watching a, a team for the ages? I mean, I know the proof will be in October, but man, they're really good. They're really good. I mean, I think you are watching something you're not going to see again. I mean, one of the things they've done just an incredible job of is locking up their guys long term and. You know, part of that is the fact that none of their young, good players were Scott Boras clients, so they were kind of, like, available to sign long-term deals. But, you know, whether it's Austin Riley or Matt Olson or, or Sean Murphy, you know, everyone that comes there, they lock up. And you can see why, because, you know, that lineup is not only star-studded, but not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of know what you're going to get. And I think you're seeing the fruits of that comfort, of that consistency, the continuity, you know, they've just kind of put it all together. I, I think they have enough pitching. You know, they're going to get some injured guys back as the year goes on. But, yeah, they're just a juggernaut. They're a juggernaut every year, and people kind of, I don't know if they forget it, but it, it almost they're almost so consistent. You know, we haven't necessarily put them in that conversation with teams like the Dodgers and others over the last half decade who have been there every year, but they certainly belong there. And, I mean, their all-star showing is, is unbelievable because not only is it, Pretty much everyone in their starting lineup, but Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman. I mean, you know, it's it's like a very Braves-centric National League roster, and 
um, that doesn't happen by accident. Barring a, a monumental collapse, they'll win their sixth straight uh, National League East. They've overtaken Tampa Bay, which got off to that great start for the best record in baseball. Who do you think is their their biggest threat, their biggest challenge, just in the National League uh, that would would impede them getting to a World Series? It's really hard to pick anyone right now, just the way that league is is playing out. I mean, like the Central with the Reds, you look at that division, you don't see anyone that scares you. I think the National League West. I think they have far more depth than the Dodgers do. The Padres can't seem to figure anything out. You know, I think what it really is, is if you hit a hot team at the wrong time, as we know, that that can kind of change everything. But but short of them falling to someone unexpected in a short series, they seem to be really built for the long haul, and and they're probably going to get better at the trade deadline because (laughs) they have the assets to do that too. So, yeah, I think we all should have known they would be really good. they got maybe kind of overshadowed by some of the big spenders in, in New York and, and California, but man, they're loaded, and you know it's it's kind of unbelievable that all those names are going to be there for a really long time. Chelsea, you kind of stole my thunder because I was going to ask, you know, going, going, no, I was thinking why of Swanson. she's so good, Sean. Yes. It's why she's so good because I was thinking about Swanson and Freeman, and me and Bob have had this discussion yep. before about you lose, you know, basically the face of the franchise a couple years ago with Freeman. Swanson was a very popular player with the organization, and yet they continue to win. And just, you know, going around Major League Baseball like you do, what's been like the word about how they've been able to, you know, like I say, lock up the guys that they've replaced, Freeman and Swanson, and they just continue to win? It's like they didn't even miss a beat when they lost yeah. two valuable pieces that were a part of that World Series team a couple of years ago. You know, I don't think it's callous to say this, but I, I think they know their people. And, you know, it's not that Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson weren't crucial people in those rooms. You know, they were important clubhouse guys and, and leaders on the field. Everyone could see that. But I think they sort of, if they want to sign someone long-term, they're going to do it. And they did not do it with those two guys. And, they, you know, I think they sort of saw what could be next. You know, it's not that they were necessarily disposable, but it was like to, to these Braves, you know, there were other options. And it just seems like they've made all the right decisions. You know, it seems like they evaluated their clubhouse really well when they said, we can afford to let Dansby go. We can afford to let Freddie Freeman go. Uh, we don't have to cling to them at a price that isn't comfortable. And I, you know, they just seem very smart about how they do that. And, you know, I don't think anyone thought Orlando Arcio was going to be, you know, the, mm-hmm. the next big thing, but he is. And, I think they just know their people, and they also have a really nice minor league system that keeps replacing, and, and that helps too. And you made a great point about maybe what the Nats weren't doing as far as their farm system, and then you see what Atlanta does with their farm system, bringing guys up, and it seems like they can plug it in, and then they've been able to do that. Do you kind of see maybe Washington, I guess, I don't know if they can use a blueprint with what the Braves have done with the farm system, or... Are they, you know, getting? I guess getting to a point slowly but surely, we're going to take our time to rebuild that farm system and then be similar to what Atlanta has done in recent years with that. You know, I think the Nats are should look everywhere for that blueprint. You know, mm-hmm. I think there there was a stat that that somebody pulled the other day that they hadn't had a hitter they drafted hit more than ten home runs in their career since like Harper or Rendon, which which is not the way to win. Um, it's almost remarkable they've won as much as they have. So, you know, I think when you look at what the, the Braves have done and some of these other teams, you know, with both strong farm systems and winning major league teams, one of the 
you know, common denominators is they get a lot out of young players mm-hmm. because those are the cheaper players. You can mock them up young. You're not paying them Scott Boris money, whatever it is. And the Nats just have not been able to sort of find those big producing young players where they can kind of get a lot out of them in their cheapest years. And and I think part of that's drafting. I think part of it's development. But if they're looking around the league, and we know they are, you know, I think they have to look at that and say, we've really got a hit on guys in the next couple drafts because, you know, if we're not going to spend, we're that's that's the way to compete, and that's mm-hmm. what everyone else is, is doing better. Couple more for you, Chelsea James from the Washington Post visiting with us this afternoon on the Sports Huddle, one zero six one ESPN. Let's go up the road even a little bit further from where you are and from us as well, and that's uh, the really nice story of the Baltimore Orioles over the past couple of years, and obviously very good season this year. What do you expect from them, Chelsea, out of the second half? And I kind of ask that in the context of eyeballing them a little bit the last couple of weeks. I'm starting to see maybe a little chink in the armor here and there. Then they put, call up. A another top prospect and he does great what do you make of where the Orioles will be moving forward if you were to look into a into a crystal ball you know I think they I think you're right I think you're starting to see some of their weaknesses play out but I think they're as good as they seem like I think you know coming into this year I wasn't sure if a team that young could kind of keep it going um but like you said every time there's a little slip I mean they've got someone waiting and and you know i think their starting pitching probably needs to to get deeper but grayson rodriguez who came up and struggled earlier in the year has like a sub two era at triple a and he looks like he'll be back and you know they've still got two of the best prospects in the country in their system at like high a i mean they're just loaded so you know they are i think almost in a position to sort of fix those little problems that have emerged at the deadline just because they have so much young talent. And it's going to be a question of them picking right and making sure that the prospects they choose to send away to maybe bolster that rotation aren't the ones that they were going to need for their future. But uh, that's a really nice problem to have. And I think I think they are better than people think and that the deadline is going to determine exactly how good they are because I think their pitching needs needs a little help and maybe their bullpen too. But, but that's a good team and they – they don't lose a lot of games in a row. They, they they struggle, but they don't collapse. And, you know, barring a big collapse, I you know, I I think it's fair to, to believe in them a little bit. All right, last one for you, Chelsea. Uh, and we'll keep an eye on the Orioles and how they progress during the second half. But you've been doing this for a while now. You did it. Then you took a break to go cover the presidential <laughs> election. Not every writer can say that. And has come back to baseball. Uh, what kind of shape is baseball in? Has, has what the sport, the commissioner – hoped would be happening, happening as you watch it on a day in and day out. And I don't just mean the rules, but I also mean the teams that are succeeding and the stars, literally, as I'm asking you the question, Dela Cruz is stepping to the plate for Cincinnati. People are watching him. They're watching other young players. Where do you think baseball is as we hit the All-Star break? You know, I think we we have watched them, if not sort of save the sport, because that sounds dramatic, I, I think they've really invigorated it with the rule changes, with, I don't know, just kind of changing attitudes towards young players in the sport. There's a lot of young star power. I got to go to Cincinnati last week and watch just the fans streaming in for this team. And last year it was the dead zone. And it just shows you, you don't have to be the big spenders, you know, to to compete. You can put a product on the field that brings people in. And when you do, people want to see it. And I think, 
that's sort of the thing that baseball has been wondering is like what happens to these teams that can't spend well this year the teams that have spent have been terrible and everyone else has been you know the the feel-good stories so i think it's kind of best case scenario for them so far we'll see if that parody plays out or when everyone runs into the braves or whatever but you know, I, I think if I'm Major League Baseball, I'm I'm super happy with the way this season has begun because I think it's changed the trajectory of the sport for the better. As you were speaking, Dela Cruz with an RBI double to tie the game for the Reds <laughs> yep. against the Nationals. Yep. And, and oh, by the way, did, did you go to Cincinnati for the Taylor Swift concert or for <laughs> the Reds games? I went to the Reds game, but ran into some craziness at the Taylor Swift concert. But <laughs> man, it was unbelievable to see that many people there. Period. For both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you ran into Taylor Swift. That would have been really cool. <laughs> no, no. No, I would have led with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't bury the headline. That's why you're the great writer that you are. Uh, Chelsea, thank you as always. Always fun to talk baseball with you and hope we get to do it during the second half of the Major League season and on into the postseason. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Chelsea. Chelsea James from the uh, from the Washington Post uh, does a great job. And, yeah, there aren't too many people have on their resume. Cover Major League Baseball, cover presidential campaign wow. as well. I think, she's, is- I think she's had the most recent one. Oh, okay. Yeah, the most recent With presidential. Biden and, uh, yep. okay. And, okay. Yeah, and Trump. Interesting. Um, she did. I think she's much happier covering baseball. I, I don't want to put words in her mouth or anything. but That, might have, aged, that might have added some, uh, some yeah. years on her dealing yeah. with that. Man. Yeah. I think it's easier to cover baseball than it would be the presidential uh, uh, campaign. So, And, yeah, she was in Cincinnati when the uh, Taylor Swift concert wow. was there. Nice. Look, I'm not a big music person, by the way. And I'm, I'm, you know, Taylor Swift. I I like her music, but I, you know, I'm not going to the concert. Right. But she is amazing. Like every weekend, she's in a different NFL stadium. Like, say, like that's why I'm following her because I'm just looking at which <laughs> NFL state. But she it's sold really out. She sold out Link. The everywhere. Link. She sold out Cincy too. And she's doing like two or three shows every weekend in wow. another. NFL stadium, that means another 70,000 people least. three times a weekend, probably. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's, and at least, what, a 90-minute or two-hour Oh, set? at least. At least two hours. Yes. That's impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that's not sports, people, but that's... No. And she was at FedEx yeah, uh, recently, she's too. She's done that. She did uh, Soldier Field, I yeah. think. She's done Nashville. I know she was... I mean... When you get to that point where you're selling out stadiums, it's like you're... I want to say... Every weekend. You get into almost that iconic yes. type uh, status. And I mean, she's, she's legit, but when... When you are selling out stadiums, forget the arenas. You're not going to. Yes. You're going out to stadiums. You're getting to like Elton John, mm-hmm. Rolling Stones. Yes, uh, you know people like that. Even country, you know, country music uh, stars. You're you're that's rarefied air to say you've done that, and you have set attendance records at these stadiums. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And she's doing it literally every weekend all summer long. Yeah. Like no load management for her. No, no, no. No NBA load <laughs> management for Taylor Swift now. And she did it in a she did it one in a rainstorm. Oh, that was Nashville. They that had was the Nash- lightning. Yeah. Poor that she was. Still see, I know on. my I know my I Taylor Swift, and it really all it all falls back on the fact that she's in NFL stadiums, and that's what I'm paying attention to more than the concert. Go on itself. Twitter, and she can, and it has all of the stadiums that you know. <laughs> yes, all of exactly. The pictures. That's exactly yeah, rarefied air there. Absolutely, well put. All right, let's get a break in here. Time out on the sports huddle. We're already at about four thirty-seven. Thanks again to Chelsea James from the Washington Post talking some baseball with us. If you didn't get enough baseball talk, Bob Nightingale <laughs> will give us his perspective probably on many of the same questions from USA Today when he joins us a little bit after 5 o'clock. Back after the break, 106.1 ESPN.